on tonight's episode of the EFB podcast. You're going to have your boy, Elliot from Boston, sitting down with one half of the bankroll boys, the big homie Dan Lifshads from the Over Under 98.5 podcast. It's a sports gambling podcast for everybody. And he's from 98.5, the sports hub of producer over there. Happens to be one of the most connected guys in the city when it comes to Boston sports. And we're going to sit down and talk the shit show that was the season of the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving, the coaching, Danny Ainge, Anthony Davis. We're going to touch on it all, man. So check me out on Twitter and Instagram, at Elliot from Boston. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast, check it out on there. And check out the Over Under 98.5 podcast where they talk gambling for everybody, man. Beginners, uh, rookies, veterans, everybody, man. So the homie Dan Lifshat's going to sit down and talk to me. We're going to talk Celtics. Enjoy the show. Ask me on July 1st. That's what Kyrie Irving told us to do. Ask him on July 1st when he was sitting down in Madison Square Garden in front of the Boston media just talking shit. So ask me on July 1st. Apparently, there's a whole bunch of possibilities. And who who better to talk about the possibilities of what was probably the most disappointing Celtics season in a very, very long time? The big homie, Dan Lifshatz. Dan, man, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. What's going on, Elliot? Glad to be here. You know I love to do these podcasts. Oh, man. You know, it's uh, it's funny because... Um, our, our our DMs on Twitter, if people got a hold of them, they'd be like nuclear missiles. You know what I mean? And uh, and I'm glad that that you're willing to come on and, and say the things that you can say on this show uh, for the fans of, of the Boston Celtics. Um, and, and this year in particular, we're just going to jump right in, was one of the biggest disappointments in Boston Celtics history. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I said, you know, if the Celtics don't make the NBA Finals, it's a disappointment. Um, when my boy, uh, when my boy Jimmy Stu, your boy Jimmy Stu, the big homie Jimmy Stu, came on the podcast, he predicted the Celtics going to, going to the finals. I predicted the Celtics going to the finals, um, and they got bounced bounced out in the second round by a gentleman sweep to the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks. Granted, the Milwaukee Bucks looked like they could be going to the NBA finals. However, the the lack of competitiveness. Um, that was that playoff series, the shit show that was the last four games with Kyrie Irving. Um, what are your thoughts on on what amounted to be the biggest disappointment in near modern Boston Celtics history? I think it's a number of things, Elliot. First off, I think it's the fact that the team didn't get along. Yeah. And this isn't just Kyrie Irving. This is the young kids, the veterans – we obviously saw the issues with Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown early on in the season. But internally, there were so many issues, man. It wasn't just Kyrie. And I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to lie to you. He he was an issue. He had issues with Brown. He had issues with Rozier. Obviously, everyone now knows, which has been known for a while. He had issues with the guys who are on the periphery of being important on the team. Um, he had issues players but he wasn't the only one guys were furious with jason tatum this year guys were furious with jalen brown this year as marcus morris showed you guys were furious with terry rosier this year 
Guys were furious for a point with Semi Ojale, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> they just no, they just didn't get along, man. And it, it's so weird because this group, almost the same group as last year, you felt this group loved each other. You felt this group really got along. You felt that this group was together. And I got to say, what I think really changed it, what it changed everything, is that run to the finals for a couple of different reasons. One, Kyrie had a hard time dealing with the fact that his team could get to the finals without him. That's true. I, I, I honestly believe that that is the case. Yeah. Do I think it's been overstated in the media? A hundred percent. Do I think that, you know, do I think that he was upset by it? Of course. Of course he was upset by it. That was supposed to be his team. That's why he came to Boston, because it was to be his team. But I got to tell you, man, it wasn't just Kyrie, okay? And everyone's killing Kyrie, and rightfully so. He sucked in the playoffs. He was not worth the money. He just he didn't bring it. But Terry Rozier thinks he's God's gift to point guard basketball, hmm. which is just – it's ridiculous. I mean, I got to be honest. I thought that Brad Stevens was the reason that Terry Rozier was so good. And Rozier's Stevens now, I don't get that guy. I want him the, I want him the hell out of here. I, I, I don't know what else. I don't know what is going on in that guy's head, but he thinks he's incredible because he had a good, you know, a good playoff run versus teams that, I mean, is there anyone who rightfully believes that any of those teams last year would have made it past Milwaukee this year? Toronto this year. No, of course not. Of course not. Philadelphia this year. Probably they probably don't beat the Celtics this year, to be honest with you. Yeah. And Celtics were playing terribly. So, but, you know, between Rozier, Brown became, and you saw this at the beginning of the year, Brown wanted to become a scorer. He didn't want to play defense anymore. He stopped playing defense and he wanted to become a yeah, point scorer. And you saw that early on this year and you saw him struggle badly. And that's the reason why is because he tried to change his role on the fly. And when it turned out happened, you know, what, what turned out is that he he decided not to do that anymore. Yeah. He decided to go back to his role, play defense and become the player he was. And that's why he was so successful in the playoffs this year, in my opinion. But he had those issues. And then Tatum decided to become Kobe Bryant spot shoot you know from everywhere become an iso player it was ridiculous so i mean you can chalk it up to a couple things so one we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to to the young guys you know tatum brown and rosier which we which we just kind of touched on you know but yeah. i, I want to kind of go back to last year real quick because um last year you know the, the i think the biggest reason why this was such a surprise to everyone you know media uh, it was a surprise to the fans. I think by the end of this year, uh, the fans were just so disgusted with this team because last year um, it was such a fun team to watch, you know, and there was nothing but optimism about this team going forward. Um, like you said, at the end of the year, um, the Celtics finished on, on a strong run, which we kind of now have chalked it up to being probably one of the worst things that could have happened to the team. I mean, I'll never sit sit here and say that making a strong run towards the NBA Finals is ever a bad thing, but I, I do think they missed a few opportunities um, to cash in, specifically on, on Terry Rozier. Um, but but you know, Kyrie's attitude specifically, um, you know, drastically changed in the off season to this season, and 
Um, like you said, he struggled with uh, adjusting to the fact that the team did very well without him. You know, he struggled to the, you know, to adjust to the fact that people were sitting here saying, you know, is this team better without Kyrie Irving? You know, you had Amin Al Hassan saying, you know, the Celtics might be shopping Kyrie Irving for Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, going back to last year, to me, there were no signs that, that there were no signs that I could look at that would say, oh man, we're in for a problem going going into next year. At, at the minimum, I said, man, like this team made a run to the finals and now we're adding a healthy Kyrie Irving and, and a healthy Gordon Hayward. I mean, you know, watch out, you know, Golden State. That, that's what I was thinking. I mean, we were talking about the Celtics version of the death lineup. You know what I mean? So um, when we go back to last year, you might, you said that, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, the whole um, him being upset about it not being his team, that it was a little bit overstated in the media. But what was what, what happened in the offseason where he kind of came into this year on the defense a little bit, and we kind of saw it early, you know, when, when he said, you know, this team needs a 15-year vet, was, was the group of Tatum, Brown, and Rozier one that kind of came into the season a little too big-headed, a little too confident, a little too cocky? I think it was them. I think it was the whole lot of them. I, you know, I think the kids were a big issue. Don't get me wrong. I, they were a big issue, but it was the whole lot of them. I mean, they all thought they were better than they were because they were, what, five minutes from beating LeBron and the Cavs and advancing to the finals mm-hmm. without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. But what I think they failed to understand and failed to remember is that last year by basically every Vegas metric, uh, metric. so if you go by – those teams last year just played a point spread and you put them up versus any team that had won the Eastern Conference in the past 21 years. It was the worst Eastern Conference in the past 21 years. Mm. Which says to me is that they got lucky yeah. that they faced no one. I mean, literally no one. Milwaukee was garbage with their coach last year. They shit themselves. And honestly, they didn't deserve to be in Game 7. I thought they probably should have lost in 6, but nonetheless... Philadelphia didn't even belong in the same court as them. They couldn't even play together. It looks like yeah. it looked like. so, uh, you know. And then Cleveland beat them, but barely. It just. I, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that you know those kids all came in this year thinking that they their shit didn't stink. They were unbelievable, but I also think you know you got to look at Marcus Morris, a guy who thought he was unbelievable all of a sudden, and I think you got to take a look at you know. Even role players who came in, you know, I, I know this sounds wild, but Simeone and Gershon Yabu said wanted bigger minutes and bigger roles because, you know, they they thought they were playing so well and just it, it it became an issue. Like you just there's not enough minutes for everyone, and so I think that that run really really hurt them. Like I I don't think that we can you know that we can understate that. I think that run probably ruined this year and the, the, the the crazy thing is that um uh you know coming into this year i feel like marcus morris got the avery bradley treatment where a lot of people were thinking that avery bradley was going to be a 20 million dollar player at, at one point because of the system that stevens ran for him i mean and when you take away gordon hayward and when you take away kyrie irving marcus morris does become a, a bigger offensive option on your team specifically coming off the bench you know so um 
you know, the city of Boston loves Marcus Morris. Um, he had that 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 big end one with Tristan Thompson where he yelled in his face. It, it instantly became uh, a memorable gif. Um, but um, you know, I, I I can't disagree with the notion that that yeah, last year ruined this year. Given that you have Jason Tatum, who people are saying is a star, you have Jalen Brown, who who people are saying is the next Kawhi Leonard, and you have Terry Rozier who filled in for for uh, Kyrie Irving and was a starting point guard on a playoff team. So uh, I could see why a lot of the problems started right there. I, yeah, I mean, it, I think that that is the root of your issue. The problem was, it was those problems combined with Kyrie's just shitty attitude throughout the entire year. I don't think that we could understate that either. Kyrie had a shitty attitude. He was frustrated from the get-go. Obviously, that comment about wanting a 15-year vet, who I specifically thought related to Kendrick Perkins, mm. um, clearly who I thought he was talking about, uh, which would would have made sense to me because Perk was a guy who had, you know, mentored some of his teams before, and he had known, you know, he. I mean, he's not. I don't say. I don't wouldn't go out there and say Kyrie Irving, you know, respects you know, Kendrick Perkins to a fault, but I think that he is a leader who, you know, who sets by example and he's the kind of guy who's like Kevin Garnett. He'll get in your face and talk about kicking the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, while that's not exactly the leadership you want, sometimes that's something that you need. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just kind of need that in-your-face leadership type, you know, type stuff, get in your face about it and make sure that the kids aren't too cocky, make sure, you know, whoever, you know, whoever shit doesn't stink, maybe it's Marcus Morris, whoever. I just think that, you know, at some point you just need to recognize that Kyrie Irving was not a good leader and he needed someone and he and he knew it. I mean, the thing is that we've been we, we give him such a time. Kyrie was the one who said that they need a leader. Yeah. And they didn't bring it in. So I just, in my opinion, I, I mean, I do understand the frustration with Kyrie being a leader, but wasn't he the guy who said, I need someone to help me here? Yeah. And they basically told him, well, you're shit out of luck. So I, I, I do give Kyrie a hard time. I do understand why people are frustrated with him, but I also got to look at the other side of the coin, man. I really do. Now, um, from the season ticket event, where he said, you know, uh, if you'll have me back, I plan on resigning to that day in Madison Square Garden when he says, ask me on July 1st. Um, do you think Do you think he regretted that comment? Um, or do you, th- do you think it was genuine at that point? I think that Kyrie is a weird guy. I think that he may have meant it that minute and changed his mind the next. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at Kyrie Irving is that he just – those are the kind of things that he does. I do not think that Kyrie Irving ever meant it. I I, I do not I, – I said at the beginning of the year I want to believe him. I'm going to try and take him at his word is what I kept saying. But Jimmy Stewart had put out there and I had put out there that I thought he was gone. I said that, you know, that, and I was heavily criticized for this, that they offered Kyrie Irving in the offseason in a trade for Kawhi Leonard. 
people laughed at that, said that's bullshit, ridiculous. I know for a fact it's not bullshit or ridiculous, but we'll pretend, you know, we'll just let people think that for right now. I'm sure if he leaves this offseason, that will eventually come out, which won't be a surprise to anyone. But nonetheless, you know, I mean, there's there's not much to say there. I I do think that I just don't – I didn't believe him then. I tried to believe him. And I don't believe him now. I think he's leaving. Mm. Now, how how big of an impact did uh, either how big of an impact or how big of a non-impact was Gordon Hayward? Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. The whole the whole Gordon Hayward situation is a weird one, you know, because uh, I remember Jimmy Stu and a lot of people saying even when we had Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward at the beginning of last year during that preseason run saying, you know, Kyrie is going to be the sexiest player on the team, but Gordon Hayward is going to be the most overall all around best player on the team, you know, and for for people who don't watch the NBA like I do, like you do, like a lot of our listeners uh, do, um, a lot of people forget that Gordon Hayward was worth every cent of that max contract that he signed, you know, and that evaporated in five minutes, you know, on that alley-oop from, uh, from, from Kyrie Irving when he broke his leg. Um, how big of an impact was reinserting Gordon Hayward into this team? Uh, how big of an impact did that have on the group specifically given how much he struggled in the, you know, throughout the year? Uh, I, I, there were reports. I want to say that that Gordon Hayward was a different practice player than a, than a game player, and that the belief was that you know, given how he practiced, that he was ready to to come in right into the starting lineup. But I can't imagine that someone like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown is going to be too thrilled with losing minutes and losing touches to Gordon Hayward off the bat, off rip. He was put into the starting lineup. You know, and and I can't imagine that went over well uh, in that locker room, given how bad he struggled and given it wasn't until March where he kind of looked a little bit like the old Gordon Hayward. You know, so so how big of an impact was that and and how bad did the Celtics fuck that up? Because I I think it was I think it was Zach Lowe talking to Jackie McMullen where Jackie said, you're not going to see Gordon Hayward back, you, you know, until March end of the year. And you know, the Celtics thought that they could ease ease him in and work out the kinks at the same time and they got that wrong. They should have held him out until January. You know, so so how 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 big of an impact was that? Uh one, Gordon Hayward and coming back from his injury, and two, integrating him into a team that, you know, as they did with Kyrie Irving, they moved on and it did well without him. So this is the one thing I didn't get to earlier. I think that this had the second highest impact on the entire season. This was... Because that's Brad's boy. That's Brad's boy. I mean, we've known that. That's Brad's boy. I think that there's a couple things. First off, I think I disagree with you. I don't think you have had a choice. I think you had to start integrating him into the team immediately. Because if you didn't... First off, you could lose the player. Hmm. Second off, if you don't, if you lose the player and you don't integrate him immediately into the team, what happens if he needs if he needs all this time to come back? Because you know we could talk about 
you know, coming back and, you know, whatever, getting over the injury. But until you're in game situations, going up for the ball, going up for dunks, doing lobs, what, you know, whatever you need to do to feel comfortable going up for rebounds, even you it just it won't feel comfortable until you're doing it in games. Practices just aren't the same. It's It's not. And so you had to get him in there. And the Celtics thought they could handle it better than they did. You know, Brad's relationship with Gordon, I think they, they with that, I think they thought they were, it would be an easier transition than it was. But again, I think that you had Marcus Morris who had issues. I think that Jalen Brown had obvious issues. I think that you had, you know, Jason Tatum with issues. I think Tatum, by the way, was the biggest issue with Hayward. I by far. I think Tatum caused a lot of issues with Hayward behind the scenes. Um, I think that if you go back and look at some of my earlier tweets this year where I was saying, you know, there are, there are some real issues with these kids. Well, the kid issues come from Hayward. And that's really what what led all of this crap is that they, it, was, it was Gordon Hayward playing time. And I got to be honest with you, Elliot, I don't blame them. Like, he didn't play. Mm. He, he was he was terrible. But at the same time, you don't really have a choice. You have to play the guy. Yeah. So I think it was probably the most understated thing because on one hand, you have a guy who is playing minutes he shouldn't be playing and is also viewed as Brad's boy. And so what's happening is he's playing these minutes and being viewed as, you know, it's favoritism by the coach. When in reality – they don't really have a choice but to play him because if he sits there and he doesn't play, well, he's not going to get used to playing. There's going to be a whole backlog of issues of him still getting over things in January, February, March, whatever you want to hold him out to. And at that time, you're still going to have issues integrating him into the team. So it really didn't matter what you did. The problem was they thought they could handle it better, and they just couldn't. Hayward sucked for the large majority of the year. And honestly, I think we probably saw him Maybe, you know, a couple weeks in the Indiana series, he disappeared in the Milwaukee series yeah. completely. Looked like he looked like the player he was at the beginning of the year, and he just completely disappeared. And because of that, it, I mean, it just it caused massive issues everywhere. I think it caused issues in the playoffs. I think it caused issues all year. I think that the young players. I think that Kyrie was frustrated playing with him. I think it was a load of everything. I just don't think that you can bank it on one person, but I absolutely agree that by far this was one of the biggest underlying issues that no one has talked about. And, and, and not only that, too. I mean, I said it. I went on on uh, on the Felgrim Mad Show once and said that um, Gordon Hayward not playing well, that's a big red flag to Kyrie because um, when the Celtics traded for Kyrie Irving, we had Gordon Hayward signed. You know, we hadn't even done this press conference yet. So at that point, you know, the, the story was how Gordon Hayward, you know, almost side, signed his restricted contract with, with the Cavs. Um, how, but then LeBron came and kind of squashed it. That was a big joke at the press conference. Um, you know, if, if you're Kyrie Irving, you're looking at this team and you're saying this team is in position to trade for for Anthony Davis in two years. In the meantime... It's me going to Hayward and a bunch of really good players, Al you know, Horford. you know, Ooh, Al yeah. Horford, you know what I mean? Al yeah. Horford, Marcus Smart, who, who has come out in defense of Kyrie Irving, who, who says he loves Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, these, this is a group that Kyrie 
was reported was looking at and saying, man, I, you know, that's a really attractive situation, you know, to the point where the reports were that Ainge was comfortable trading for for Kyrie Irving because he felt that a long-term contract was imminent, you know. So, but then, yeah. but then Gordon breaks his leg, takes the whole year off, and the second year that he comes back, he's nowhere close to near the guy that was an all-star before he got injured. You know, Kyrie's got to look at that and say, that's, that's not the guy that I thought I was going to play with. You know, and and that's and that's that's just facts. That's yep. just me being a fan look, watching the game. How many times did could Gordon Hayward not get around the screen? How many times people forget Gordon Hayward used to drive to the rim and yam on people. He couldn't do that anymore. He would he would get and and then he got to the point where he was getting to the rim, but he couldn't he couldn't elevate, and he would kick it back out to somebody. He would miss a three. Yep. You know so. And- Kyrie Irving's got to look at that and say, man, this guy might be broken. This guy might be damaged goods. I think that there was a big frustration for Kyrie. I think it was for all of his teammates because I think what he showed in practice, he held back in the games. And again, we've talked about how it's different playing a game and different being in practice. It really is. And I know that, you know, I can't sit there and say that I never played basketball high level. One who does, you talk about doing things in practice where you know a guy isn't going to tabletop you or hit you or whatever, and it's just different when you don't have that feeling, that comfort. It's just a totally different kind of setting, and I think that this is – I mean this should be obvious to people. So I, I got to be honest with you. It was a massive issue. I think that you know, <laughs> I think that not having him is going to be I, – I think that him getting hurt, sorry – probably was the demise to what we know the current Celtics to be. And I know that, you know, and, and unfortunately that is the case. Um, yeah, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. You know, it's, it's nobody's fault. And that's that's what sucks about it. I think Jimmy put a tweet out that said the Celtics window opened and closed in five minutes. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's, I mean that's really honestly true. It, it is. And, you know, the thing is that people don't even talk about is that you know, everyone talks about how Gordon Hayward, oh, man, Gordon Hayward sucks and whatever. Gordon Hayward was a budding superstar in yeah. Utah. Everyone goes, oh, but he barely scored 20 points a game. Well, Utah Jazz had the slowest-paced offense in the league. They were scoring, like, 92 points a game. And he's scoring a large majority of those points. Put him on a regularly-paced team and, like, you know, he's probably scoring 24, 25 points a game. Yep. But no one played in Utah. It's just – Combine that with the fact that he was an athletic freak. He was a defensive savant. I mean, honestly, he was an incredibly good defender. Yeah, one of the best was, passing forwards in, in the Western Conference, too. I mean, he's, he was, a, he's a guy who the offense routinely ran through. Exactly. And he was, I mean, you think about Al Horford. Think about Al Horford, except a guy who is, you know, plays a different position, small forward wing, but can play, you know, he probably can score a little bit more. Has a little bit of a shot, you know, can drive to them, be a little bit more aggressive. That's what you're really looking at in Gordon Hayward is just a more, you know, a smaller, more athletic Al Horford, except he can actually score mm-hmm. 20, 25 points a game if you need him to. Unlike, you know, Horford, who really is more of a 14, 15 point per game guy, which is fine in his position. But, I mean, listen, it's it's an issue. And I don't know if we're ever going to see the same Hayward now, having a second offseason is huge. And I think that people always, you know, always talk about 
Paul George coming back and whatever. Remember, he got hurt during the offseason. You know, had basically an offseason and a whole season to come back. And he played, what, the final seven or nine games? Yeah. And it's another offseason between. So Hayward's going to have another offseason this year. And, you know, next year, early on, you're going to find out what he is. Is he ever going to be back from seeing what we saw last year? No, he's not. But, you know, what he could be is a very good player still. Is he a max player? I don't know. Probably not. Is he an all-star? Probably not. But he'd still be a very good, useful player for teams. But, yeah, I mean, the reality is that when his injury happened, that was the end of the Celtics as we knew it. And we didn't know at the time. And that's the craziest part is that had we known what was going to happen because of that injury, I think things would have transpired very differently. I think the Celtics would have done things differently. I think Hayward probably wouldn't have featured large minutes. I think he would have played small spurts at a time. And I think that, I think that you know, we really have to talk about Brad too, Elliot, because I think Brad was horrible. Yeah. I think Brad, I think Brad as a coach was in general bad. I think that he lost the players. I think he lost the room early. And I think that the Gordon Hayward thing definitely contributed to that. Now it's funny because that that's right where I was gonna go. You know, I, I've been uh I've been quietly criticizing Brad Stevens for, for a few years now, you know, and 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 it's it's a it's it's a double edged sword because at the same time there's not many other coaches that I would want on my team. I think Brad Stevens is a very good coach, you know. Um I I enjoy the fact that Danny, uh, you know, saw something in Stevens, got him out of Butler, brought him to the NBA, and Brad implemented a system that that uh, produced good, fun Celtics basketball. You know, too many threes, yeah, but that's the fucking league now. You know what I mean? You you can't prevent that. But um, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Stewart ran the hot take alarm on me. Uh, probably a few years ago when Lowe said that Brad Stevens wanted nothing to do with DeMarcus Cousins. That was a red flag to me because for me, every almost every superstar that you're going to trade for is going to be a diva. You know, that's that's the NBA. You know, the, 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 the NBA superstars are the biggest divas in sports. They're, they're worse than wide receivers. And... That was a really, really big red flag for me because I said, you know, if I get it, Boogie Cousins is a head case. I get it. But most of these most of these superstars, you know, need to be managed. And um, it was apparent. It was apparent early on this year with all the yapping that was going on specifically to the media that Brad Stevens didn't have control of that locker room. What was that dynamic like? You know, we, we talked about Brad playing a part in in the Gordon Hayward situation as far as having to integrate and integrate him into the into the, the rotation. But, you know, Brad Stevens did not do a good job this year. Specifically why? What was it about Brad Stevens that he couldn't control? What was it what was it the minutes? Was it the roles? Because that's the thing that, that a lot of people say. There there was no People didn't buy into their roles. Well, why? Well, I think there was no clear defined role. I think that that's really the main issue a lot of these guys had is that night to night, they didn't know what was going to be the plan, who was starting, you know, what was going on. Brad, 
for the better or for the lack of a better word, he just bitched out. He just didn't take control of the room. He was honestly, from everything I've heard, a bitch. Mm. And your head coach just can't be a bitch. You got to tell guys, you know, no, I don't give a shit what you want. This is what you're doing. You're playing 10 minutes a night. You're playing 10 minutes a night until you can prove to me otherwise. And Brad just never did that. It was more of a, uh, a different sort of approach. A, you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, let's, let's play it out. Let's see how it goes. You know, we'll just kind of see what happens. And, hey, you know, this is working. You'll play. And, hey, this is working. You'll play. And that just doesn't work with a league full of divas. And you kind of hit it on the head with the whole DeMarcus Cousins thing where Zach Lowe basically said, you know, D- you know, Danny Ainge would take the risk. But, you know, Brad Stevens doesn't want to touch the superstar with a five or ten foot pole, I think was his quote. Brad Stevens is, uh, doesn't, would not touch him with a ten foot pole. Okay. Yeah. So that, you know that that, that, that I, I remember, I, and I remember it specifically because I, I cut that out. I sent it to Jimmy at the time he was producing the 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 Wadham Wackman Kaufman uh, sports show in the morning uh, that I was calling into, and um, you know it, I remember saying like, "Yo, we got to talk about this." You know, Brad Stevens doesn't want Demarcus Cousins. What what does he want? You know, at the time. At the time, DeMarcus Cousins was 25 and 13, you know? So, um, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, like, like look, at, look at Eric Spolster with the Miami Heat, okay? From, from all accounts, it seemed like Spolster stood up to LeBron. You know, Pat Riley stood up to LeBron. That's ultimately probably why he left. But I think Pat Riley did. I don't know how much Spolster really stood up to him. I think Pat Riley gave Spolster the backbone that he has now. Mm. So I think that that is. I think I think Pat Riley stood up to LeBron, and Eric Spolster said, "Yeah, what he said." You know, <laughs> like I think one of those things. I don't think Spolster was the kind of guy to tell LeBron no. And I think if you hear some of the stories about the guys who LeBron brought on the plane, I think you'll you know you'll start hearing you know that's the case. And I think over the years. Definitely now, Spolster has some balls, and he'll tell every you know anyone no. But I think Pat Riley gave him that confidence, that swagger. Did Danny Ainge give you know? Did Danny Ainge give that to you know Brad Stevens? I don't think so. We gotta talk about that. We gotta talk about that because you know I've been very critical of Brad Stevens this year, um, but I, I've been saying uh, since the beginning of the year, I feel like we're one player too, too deep. And and to me that was Terry Rozier. I I thought at last off season that I understood you had to keep all your chips in your basket to go after Anthony Davis. However, to me, from a basketball standpoint, you no longer needed Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier's value was at its at its highest. Um, he was considered to be a starting point guard in the league. I thought. If you can if you can get what you can get for Terry and then just re-sign a Shane Larkin, I thought you would have been fine with your guard rotation being Kyrie Smart and a Shane Larkin, Brad Wanamaker type player. You know, but um yeah. why why didn't Danny move on from Terry Rosier last offseason where what what strikes me about that is that from all accounts it doesn't seem like um it doesn't seem like Terry Rozier can be involved in anything for Anthony Davis because it has to be a sign and trade for him. Yep. But 
it, it's very it's very rare that Danny mismanages an asset, and that's what Terry that, that's what all his players are to him as assets. So, why wasn't Terry Rozier moved? Well, I think that there's one clear answer, and that's Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think that you saw, and again, I know people don't want to believe this, but I'm going to keep repeating it, and it will eventually, I believe, it will come out, despite the fact that Steve Bolpet wanted to write an article about how it wasn't true and uh, had reached out to the team or whatever and said it wasn't true. Yeah, bullshit. Okay. Uh, they offered Kyrie Irving for Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to believe it because I didn't want Kawhi, and that is me taking an L because I thought that Kyrie Irving was going to be the guy who would stay long term or, you know, uh, before the beginning of the offseason. Then when I heard they had offered Kyrie for Kawhi and I heard why, well, then that kind of changed my mind because they were worried about Kyrie leaving, which would then make sense about why they wanted to keep Terry Rozier around. Mm -hmm. So I do understand what you're saying in regards to mismanaging an asset. The other thing, Elliot, and I and I got to be honest with you, Point guards are a dime a dozen these days. I mean, really. Think about all the guys in the league. Think about the deepest position in the league. It's point guard. Yeah. I mean, there's there are a lot of good point guards. Now, are they all elite talents like Kyrie Irving? No. And if you get a guy like that, you know, you do whatever you can to keep him. But just in general, good starting point guards are easily attainable these days. So I don't think that Terry Rozier's value was what people believed it was on the actual market in terms of asset, you know, in terms of asset value. I don't think he would. They, the Celtics would have gotten a return that people think they would have gotten for for Rozier, especially on a one-year deal and knowing that he was a Brad Stevens system because Brad Stevens was known around the league as the point guard whisperer, basically, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that combination, plus the fact that the point guard is in such a deep position, really limited their value there. But at the end of the day, the most likely reason from everything that I can gather is that they didn't really want to get rid of him because they didn't know if Kyrie would be around. And unfortunately, it backfired because, like you know, like everything else that happened this year, because you know, Terry Rozier doesn't want to be here anymore. I think he made that pretty clear on ESPN the other day. Terry Lazier, he ripped Kyrie Irving. He ripped the coach. He ripped pretty much everyone in the organization. He said you know, a bunch of things about some other players, which, by the way, I think, and I know that people will hate this, I think it was intended for Marcus Smart, by the way, because Smart challenged that kid a lot this year Mm. to stop being such a bitch, and he didn't. You know, he, he complained, whined, complained his whole year, you know, maybe not in the public eye. Although he definitely said some things that we definitely heard and talked about Kyrie's, you know, mood and everything. Well, that's definitely true. You just you don't talk about that. And, you know, Rozier said some things in the media. And I honestly just think that they have to cut ties with the player now, despite his relationship with Danny, despite all that stuff. I don't see how you can possibly bring that player back. Um, And I think that. His value probably took a hit on the market this year because of his comments. Because, trust me, that is not going to be viewed kindly by other teams around the league. And I think that, you know, the Celtics sign and trade value is low. And trying to do a sign and trade for a player with other moving pieces is borderline impossible. So 
Danny would – okay, I shouldn't say that. It's very tough to do, mm. to do sign and trade with other pieces for a player. So everything would have to align perfectly. So in my opinion, it's going to be very hard to do. Doesn't seem like an option, although if anyone can do it, it's Danny. Um, but I, I do have to th- – I do say that I, I think that Terry Rozier has talked his way out of town. And if he's back next year – it's because someone offered him a terrible contract. The Celtics matched and Kyrie Irving left, and they're going to hand the keys to Terry Rozier and say, okay, Terry, you want to talk your shit? You want to talk the talk? Walk the walk. Let's see what you got, kid, and let's see what happens. And you know what's crazy is that I think you know I think it was Gary Washburn that put out the tweet that said, you know, it's you can't just hand the keys over to Terry Rozier now after his comments, but uh, realistically, um, in the back of my mind, I even tweeted about it. I said, you know, Terry Rozier is more than capable of starting for you if it's in this system with these players. You know what I mean? Like, and like you said, um, so can probably 20 other point guards in the league slot right into the starting point guard spot for the Boston Celtics if if their surrounding players are are Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward. That's a very capable starting lineup for uh, for any point guard to run. You know what I mean? And it's disappointing, you know, that, that that's the route that Terry Rozier decided to go. It doesn't surprise me, though. It, 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 honestly, it was just it was just something else. It's like, okay, you know, we've had this bickering all season, um, you know, and, and it doesn't surprise me about him taking a shot at Marcus Smart because I feel like Marcus Smart, uh, uh, you know, he, he let it be known whose side he was on the day of the exit interview when he said Kyrie Irving's my brother, you know, and, and I haven't talked to him about where he's going to go, but if he wants to talk to me about it, I'll be here for him. But he said, it's not all on, all on Kyrie. Well, I think he, I think the quote was, it's a bullshit statement, you know, and um, Marcus Smart definitely chose his side as to who he's going to battle with. I think that Marcus Smart's statement is bullshit mm-hmm. as well. I think that Smart had issues with Irving, just like everyone else. But I do think that Smart had bigger issues with Rozier than he had with Irving. And that's where you're seeing that sort of, you know, comment coming from. I think that Smart would probably be happy if if uh, Kyrie Irving left. But, you know, I, I think that he'd be happier if Terry Rozier left. Here's the other thing, Elliot, and we just kind of talked about this. How the hell would you feel if that guy became a good player on your team? I mean, that guy is not a star, not remotely. And now you want that asshole talking if he plays well? Can you imagine the type of dramatic, you know, shit that would come out of, you know, Terry Rozier's mouth if he plays well or plays badly or whatever, blames it on everyone? You want to talk about NBA All-Stars being dramatic and, you know, being – you know, these big babies and being tough to deal with. I get that. I agree. And sometimes that, you know, that comes with the talent. I don't want to deal with my freaking middle of the road point guard <laughs> talking like he's a superstar. So in my opinion, it would be very tough for me to see him come back. I think the only road in my, the only road that I see Rozier coming back in is if his market sucks, which is very possible, no. very possible. Uh, he signs a terrible deal, the Celtics match it, and Kyrie Irving is leaving. Yeah, that 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 would have to be everything. And Rozier needed to come back and say, you know, 
Brad, I'm sorry, Marcus, I'm sorry, whoever, I'm sorry, you know, I was frustrated for X, Y, and Z, and I said things I shouldn't have said, and whatever. That's my opinion. You know, Terry Rozier's situation reminds me of Reggie Jackson's when he left OKC. You know, yep. he, he he went he went to Detroit, and I think he thought he was he was a, a you know a, a star in the making. I think it was it was made pretty obvious once he got to Detroit that he wasn't. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me for Denny Ainge to match any deal that Terry Rozier signs. Like you said, if it's a bad one. You know, you got his market super low. If he signed an Isaiah Isaiah Thomas type deal uh, that that he signed with the Suns, I mean that that's people forget when it comes to Isaiah Thomas. That was the most attractive thing about Isaiah. It wasn't the fact that he could score; it was the fact that his contract was so affordable, and he had they had him locked in for a few years. You know, so if if Terry Rozier signs one of those kind of deals, that's kind of a little bit front loaded at the beginning, but it kind of deescalates as it goes as it goes on. Definitely wouldn't surprise me for for Danny Ainge to match that. Um, Again, there has to be there 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 will have to be a lot that happens for that. To yeah, match it. definitely, again, definitely. You can talk about him matching it, but again, he's got to come back. He's got to apologize. You know, it, it's not going to be one of those things where oh, just a bad contract will match it. I think there's going to have to be multiple other things that happen along with that. You know, he's going to have to be also willing to come back and not be a pain in the ass all year. That. That is an issue. So, you know, again, I know Celtics fans are really frustrated with Kyrie Irving, and I get that. But first off, Terry Rozier sucked all year long. And if you're asking me today who I want back, Terry Rozier or Kyrie Irving, you have to be a blithering idiot. And I'm sorry if that offends you if you want want Terry Rozier back, but you have to be a blithering idiot to want Terry Rozier over Kyrie Irving because for all the shit – that everyone thinks that Kyrie Irving caused, I promise you Terry Rozier caused more. Now, um, we all saw what the playoffs were, okay? The the series against Indiana said more about Indiana than it did about Boston. And the series against Milwaukee said a lot about Boston in comparison to, to the Bucks. Um you know the the Celtics board. You know they quit the last two games. They they you know Charles Barkley said it. Everyone said it. They already had their vacation plans booked. Um, going into the off season, you said it at the beginning of the of the show. You don't think Kyrie Irving resigns with the Boston Celtics? Yep. Uh, you you asking question? Do I think he's back? Yeah. No. Do you think he's uh, back? No, I think Kyrie is gone. I think that there's two choices for Kyrie, and I think that – I think, surprisingly enough, Elliot, I think that these guys make their decisions months in advance, right? I, that's what I've always said. That's what I've always believed, and that's what I still believe to this day. I do believe that players are weird, and they can change their minds, and they – you know, Kyrie Irving is a really weird dude, and things do happen. I think Kyrie Irving – sucking in the playoffs and the Celtics sucking as a team in the playoffs opened the door for him to go to LA because, and Jimmy Stewart has said this, but after they lost, after the Celtics lost game five to Milwaukee, Kyrie Irving called LeBron Mm. and he apologized to him and said, you know, I was wrong for requesting a trade out of Cleveland. I was wrong for how I treated you and the rest of the guys over there. I was wrong. And did the mea culpa shit. And LeBron said, you know, because he's LeBron, like he just, you know, he's LeBron. You know, you suck up to LeBron, he forgives you. So, you know, water under the bridge. 
you're welcome to come to L.A. And I think that Kyrie Irving is strongly considering it. I think you'll see him either a Nick or a Laker. I don't think it will be anyone else. I know that we've heard the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think that he has any interest in going to the Brooklyn Nets. First off, they have a point guard there. Second off, it wouldn't be his team because they're probably going to sign another max free agent who you know we can maybe get into later. But I think that that will probably be tough for him to be his team there, especially with D'Angelo Russell um, already on the already on the books as an RFA. Now again, you'd much rather have Kyrie than D'Angelo Russell, but you know I. Now you're now you're starting to you know try and find a move for D'Angelo Russell while being able to simultaneously sign Kyrie. It's hard, you know. It's hard. Yeah. So I you know I don't see that happening. Um, I don't think he wants to go there anyways. And then people have also said the, the Los Angeles Clippers. I don't think he wants to go to the Clippers. I mean, I I haven't heard anything about that. I think there's some other players who definitely want to go to the Clippers, but I don't think Kyrie has any interest. I think it's the Knicks. Or the Lakers. I think the Celtics are out, and I, I I don't see him coming back. Why the hell would he want to be back? The fans have made it very apparent they don't want him back. He said, "If you'll have me back, now he can say you don't want me back." So you know, pretty simple to now, me is a pretty simple explanation of why Kyrie Irving will not be back. Now, um, I think we can pretty much. We can pretty much say that KD to the Knicks is a done deal. I mean, people been, people have been talking about that. I mean, since since last year, but when they still yep. had when they still had Porzingis, um, they were talking about KD to the Knicks is a done deal. The Knicks made it official when they traded away Porzingis to clear the two max slots. I just want to say this about Kevin Durant. I tweeted this earlier. I thought I thought it was super trash for him to leave OKC for Golden State, given that Golden State eliminated OKC. Now, granted, he had his issues there with Russell Westbrook. He had his issues there with Billy Donovan. But it's just it's just super trash to, to, to leave the team that drafted you to then become, you know, the, the not the third or fourth piece because you are, you're Kevin Durant. You're, you're probably the best player on earth. Um, you're, you're now become the first or second piece on Golden State. Everyone else takes a step down. I get it. But then to to have your your next team already know that you're coming while your current team is on its way to its fifth championship in a row, I think it's super disrespectful. Super disrespectful. And I, I think that and and I get it. They they make their they, they this is the NBA. This is how the business works. Things are done behind the scenes. They're they're done in advance. Trades are announced when they've been done for a month. You know what I mean? And and, and these things happen. But I think the NBA has a real problem with how these things are leaked, given that it's been no secret that Kevin Durant is going to the Knicks. You got Mike Fisdale saying you know, that Kevin Knox is, is really excited about what's coming. This is before the season even ends. Yep. You know, and I'm not a fan of that. You know, and, and, and maybe 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 I'm just not 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 adjusting well to the social media era of 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 uh of NBA, you know, because NBA has definitely benefited benefited from Twitter. I mean we it's a it's a it's a known hashtag, NBA Twitter. You know what I mean? And people talk. But, you know, for Kevin Durant 
to already be, you know, to already have promised the Knicks that he's coming to them a year in advance. I think it's crazy, crazy disrespectful to the team that he is currently on that's fighting for, for you know, for history here. We're talking about a, a, a new dynasty. And I don't blame I don't blame Draymond Green for calling him out and saying we don't need you. And right now, I think that team is playing to show that they don't need Kevin Durant. They're they're playing to spite him. You know, to, to you know, I just I mean I just can't imagine any other scenario. I mean, can you imagine if if Felger's on air and 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 they know that in 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 a year he's going to WEI? That shit just doesn't happen. Well. You know, yeah, I mean, l- listen, I agree. Is it any different than Kyrie? I mean, I don't know. I felt that Kyrie has been gone since last offseason. Yeah, and and, and that, that that's that's kind of well, where I, that, that's kind of where I've been getting to. You know, is that that these players, you know, it's been known for a while now that they're gone, and I just think that's trash. I just think that sucks because I, you know, for and for me, maybe now this is the the bias the bias fan talking, and I've said it on Twitter over and over. I don't know what what different the Celtics could have done in this rebuild. They did everything right with the exception of trading Terry Rozier when his, when when he was when his when he was at his highest value. And I know I know, you know, the 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 narrative is that maybe his value wasn't as high as we think it was. Maybe teams aren't offering what Danny would have thought, you know, he was insurance for Kyrie, but I mean, what 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 could Danny Ainge have done differently when he 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 capitalized on every asset that he had. There was some luck along the way. You know, Brooklyn sucking helped him. Um, you know, the uh, was it the Heat turning down? Was it the Heat or the Hornets turning down the four first round picks for Justice Winslow? Um, you know, that helped him. You know, but what could Danny Ainge could have done to prevent Kyrie from a year in advance knowing that he wants to leave to the Knicks? Well. Uh... I think if you're Danny Ainge, I think there's not a lot you could have done because I think that your your job was to go get Anthony Davis. That's what you've been angling at if you're Danny Ainge for years now yeah. is Anthony Davis, right? Yep. That's That's been your angle for a very long time. That's not really a surprise. No one should be surprised by that. That's been Danny's angle for a long time. I do think that what Danny should have done, and this is obviously buyer's remorse because I, this is me. Because again, I, I I would have said the exact same shit as you did. Okay, I would have said the exact same shit. In my opinion, I probably would have traded Jalen Brown. Now looking back, for Kawhi Leonard, if you're Danny Ainge. You know, that's probably the move that you want to make now is, you know, the Kawhi Leonard. You want to go back because maybe if you keep Kawhi and Kyrie together, oh, does that bring you? Does that bring you Anthony Davis? You know, are you still able to trade Jason Tatum? Are you able to now re-sign Kyrie? Are you able to re-sign Kawhi? Are you able to re-sign, you know, Anthony Davis? Now, all three could leave and you get a one-year window, but – you know, or, or or a year and a half window, whatever it is, you know, but, you know, is that what you could have done? Because I think that if Danny Ainge wanted to at the deadline, he could have gotten Anthony Davis. They could have traded 
Jason Tatum and whatever else name you wanted, you know, at the deadline this year and gotten Anthony Davis. You know, if they wanted to do that, I think they could have done that, but they didn't. And, you know, so you probably could have had a championship window. Would you have won? Probably not. I don't think they could have this year. I think the, the Rose rule prevented them from doing it this year. I think the big narrative around the deadline was that Boston has to hope that New Orleans doesn't make the deal with the with the Lakers and then, you know, attack New Orleans in the offseason with the deal. If you have if you have Kyrie, but if you're trading Kyrie and uh, Brown. Okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, I may I may have misspoken. If you're trading Kyrie and Brown to, you know, uh to San Antonio for, you know, let's say Kawhi Leonard and whatever else, you know, you want to get, uh, you know, whatever else you know, whatever else you're gonna get there, you know, that is then a bit different because then it allows you to get Anthony Davis at the deadline. You put Kawhi and Anthony Davis together. Does that entice them to stay? The problem is, Elliot, unfortunately, there's no real there's no real way to know that. And so because of that, if you're Danny Ainge, there's not much that you could have done. You know, the 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 most that you could have done is pray that Gordon Hayward doesn't get hurt, you know, if you if you do it over again. There's really not much that you could have done if you're Danny Ainge. Could you have maybe traded Marcus Morris? Sure. Could you have traded, you know, Terry Rozier? Sure. Could you have, you know, decided to trade Al Horford this year, maybe for something else? Sure. Could you have tried to get Tobias Harris instead of, you know, maybe not doing anything the deadline? I, again, there's a multitude of things you could have done. The only other thing I could possibly think of, Elliot, is, you, you know, when you go back to the Jalen Brown draft, there was a deal on the table for the Celtics, and they had agreed to this deal with the Bulls, and Bulls ownership killed the deal. And there's a whole bunch of Bulls reporters who have already spoken about this and tweeted out about this, but no one ever talks about it. The Celtics agreed to trade the Jalen Brown pick, not Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown pick, Marcus Smart and Jay Crowder for, uh, for uh, Jimmy Butler. Mm. Deal was done. Bulls, the Bulls were the ones who wanted it. Bulls ownership kiboshed the deal. Okay, uh, so if you're Danny Ainge, do you go back and you try and make that deal? Do you try and make the Paul George deal? Maybe do you give up some more assets and try and do that? I mean, there there are a few things on the table I guess we could consider, but man, I can't really think of anything. I don't think this is Danny's fault. I, I don't. I just think that, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, I think that shit went to hell. You know, the Gordon Hayward injury, the fact that Kyrie Irving wanted, you know, was frustrated by the run last year, the fact that your guys, you know, decided they were better than they were. And I think it, you know, I think that is pretty simple to me. So we're gonna we're gonna fire off to these last uh to these last few points here on on uh that we're gonna get through. Um so I I got people in New Orleans who have told me that if Kyrie Irving's here, uh, Anthony Davis resigns here. And, and Zach Lowe pretty much confirmed it on his last podcast where he said Kyrie Irving not only gets you Anthony Davis, but gets you Anthony Davis resigned. Um, does Does Danny Ainge still make a deal for Anthony Davis if Kyrie's not here? So I don't agree with Lowe. I don't think that Davis... I don't think that Kyrie staying gets you Davis long term because Davis is now a clutch guy, and clutch obviously means what? What? what I mean, what are they going to do? 
They're going to funnel him to the Lakers. That's going to be the ultimate end game. Most likely, things change. You know, nothing is nothing is set in stone. Things are fluid. But most likely, you have a clutch guy who's one of LeBron's best friends. What the hell do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a fucking rocket scientist to know where that's going, to be honest with you. That's my personal opinion and what, you know, I've been told. However, I think that Kyrie Irving staying would put you in a good position to at least make Davis really think about that. And I mean really think about that, you know? I think that that would put you in a position to make you, you know, really, really think, man, you know, do I stay in Boston with Kyrie? But without Kyrie, which is what it seems like is going to happen, I still think there's a good chance they're going to try and get Davis, which for the life of me, I don't agree with. I don't. I don't agree with the fact that they're going to do it now. What you and I disagree on, Elliot, what you and I disagree on is the price. See, I think that the Celtics are going to try and get Anthony Davis and ultimately fail because I think the Los Angeles Lakers are now going to have enough assets to make that trade. The number four pick, you have Kyle Kuzma, you have Brandon Ingram, who we know that David Griffin has loved for years. And I know blood clots, blood clots, blood clots. Oh, my God. Like, blood clots are a serious issue, but that's not like – it's not like he has a broken leg. You know what I mean? It's a bit different. You know, not to mention you have, uh, you know, you have whatever assets. Lonzo Ball, who you can probably then swing in another deal if you're the Pelicans for more assets. There's multiple teams that are interested in him. So you have Josh Hart. There are guys over there that they like. And now with that number four pick, I understand. Everyone says it's a three-player draft. Definitely. There's three elite prospects. But we also heard that the Jalen Brown draft was a two-player draft. Now Ben Simmons can't shoot a goddamn three, and Brandon Ingram is, you know, I again, different type of person. Yeah, I have Jalen Brown, a whole bunch of guys in that draft who look much better than maybe the top two guys. I mean, Ben Simmons to me is an above-average basketball player. I don't think he's that great. He can't shoot. So does he fit in the modern game today? Nonetheless. I think the Lakers ultimately get Davis because of the fact that they have the best offer. And I don't think the Celtics are going to be willing to deal Tatum, Brown, and the Memphis pick, which is probably the most comparable offer to the Lakers offer. And that offer beats the Lakers offer. But do you think that Danny's going to give Tatum and Brown and that pick for one year of Anthony Davis to put him with Al Horford, maybe, <laughs> maybe, and Gordon Hayward? And Marcus Smart, what are you going to be? A worse version of New Orleans Pelicans who barely made, you know, who made the playoffs with DeMarcus Cousins and J. Rue Holiday, but this year couldn't make the playoffs without DeMarcus Cousins and still a J. Rue Holiday who would be a better player than any of those guys I just listed. So maybe yeah. not Al Horford, but. Uh, three weeks ago, I disagreed with you on the package, you know, and but three weeks ago we didn't know the lottery. You know what I mean? And um, I do think that not only New Orleans – um, winning the lottery, but then L.A. coming in at four, it wasn't a good night for the Celtics, you know, because now um, there's no there, there's no team angling Zion Williamson in front of New Orleans. New Orleans now has him, but now there's a, a, a main competitor who has an additional asset. Now, I don't think the asset is that great because I don't think – I'm I'm a believer that if it's not the number one pick, you have to wait to see what the pick turns into, you know, and um, 
the number three pick for us was never going to was did, didn't materialize in anything for us but us taking Jalen Brown. Um, but now Jalen Brown can get you something because we saw what he became. You know, same thing with like someone like Donovan Mitchell. If you have a, a pick in the teens, it's not going to get you anything. But once you once you hit on that pick, and and now. You know that Donovan Mitchell can get you something. Kyle Kuzma can get you something, regardless of where he was picked, because he he he's a better asset once he once you saw that he can play in the league. But the Lakers getting the fourth pick, yeah, it, it, it doesn't make me sleep any better. I'll tell you that right now, it does not make me sleep any better. Um, well, let me ask you a question: Do you want Anthony Davis? Because well, what it sounds like is that you wanted Anthony Davis, and now you're a little bit hesitant because I just don't. I just think he's a clutch guy. I think even if you're Danny Ainge and you want the player as bad as bad as you do, I just don't see it. I, don't you think that that guy is gone? I want, I want, I want Anthony Davis with Kyrie, but nothing about Anthony Davis this year screamed leader as well. You know, and um, it screamed I, opposite. Yeah, I think, I think, and not only that. But I'm hesitant now to even say, you know, Kyrie and Anthony Davis are going to be my two best players on my team. Both of them quit on their teams this year. You know, and, and, and to me, and, and to me, AD's was worse. The Pelicans drafted him. Yeah, but but at the same time, man, if you're how I mean, how long has he been there? Five, six years at this point. You've been there five or six years. You've seen ownership try and put some good players around you and then fail to you know, do anything else. I mean, they lost Boogie Cousins. I understand that's not, you know, the Pelicans' fault that he got hurt. But at some point, the frustration just sets in and just says, you know, this is not the place for me. You know, I can't win here. And winning seems to be important to that guy. So in my opinion, you know, if he wants to win, there is no better place to go than with LeBron. Unfortunately, that is the real that is the real honest opinion. There's just there's no better place to go except with LeBron. And and, 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 and I'll be honest with you, Dan, I'd probably still make the deal. I probably yeah. I mean, I think the NBA we we've seen the version of the Celtics that has no stars. It's really fun to watch. And then come come playoffs, you know, it's 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 a fucking grind and, and we're eliminated because ultimately we don't have the team that has the best players. So I think I think ultimately I bite the bullet and I make the deal. As much as as much as it would hurt, as much as the price tag would be high, um, I don't know that I don't know that I don't make that deal. I think it's a star league, and then I I would have to look at it and say, all right, Danny, now go put pieces around him with what little you have left, you know. And, and at that point, you trust the, you, you trust uh, you trust Danny Ainge that he's going to go out and do what he needs to do. But I think you still make that deal. And, and I mean, just, just let's kind of segue into Kawhi. I mean, look at the risk that Toronto took. You know, um, I disagree with Arkan, who who called DeMar DeRozan a, a star player that they traded away. I don't think DeMar DeRozan's a star. Um, he, he, was, he was a valuable piece for Toronto because of what he meant to that team um, emotionally, you know, but... Um, I, I think there's no fan right now who's upset at, at trading away De, DeMar DeRozan, especially as Toronto is leading Milwaukee going into the, the end of the fourth quarter here. Um, but um, what are you hearing on Kawhi Leonard? You know, how does that change Danny Ainge's approach if Kawhi Leonard ends up staying with Toronto, which, I mean, Woj said a few weeks ago was a very good possibility. 
Yeah, I disagree with Woj. I think he's gone. I think he's going to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and that, that that's been reported for a while too. I mean, you got you got Lawrence Frank borderline stalking him. You know, watching every game <laughs> in the same stadium that he's in. Well, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, and <laughs> listen, I think he's going to the Clippers, and I think that you know, if he ultimately stays with Toronto, that is just our gargantuan blow to the Celtics. Going back to DeRozan. I do disagree with you. I think DeRozan is a one. Well, let's say DeRozan is a two B. That's how I look at him. DeRozan reminds me of CJ McCollum, light. You know, I think DeRozan's probably a little bit worse. Doesn't have the range that McCollum has. Definitely not. But is a still a very good player. I like what he brings to the table. I think that he would be considered a star in Boston for damn sure. So I think he'd be considered a star around the league, in my opinion. Because yeah, we, we called Isaiah Thomas a star too, though. So I mean, let's just... you called Isaiah Thomas not a star. me. Not I, me. I, I said he was a point guard who couldn't play defense. It was a net negative. I, you know, I never liked him. Unfortunately, I, you know, I never liked Isaiah Thomas. Let's not go down that road again. Let's not. Before that, just fine. I totally understand that. Everyone enjoyed watching him, and he was a great story to watch. Fair, but what's yeah? Again, not go down that road. Listen, I, I think that Kawhi staying in Toronto would be awesome. Here's the other thing about Toronto: they hit on Pascal Siakam. They have good role players around him. As Kawhi just buries another three, that puts them up by uh, what 19 now. Everyone wants to take Milwaukee tonight, though, dumbasses. That's where I'm calling you out. If you took the Milwaukee Bucks tonight, I took Toronto. Uh, listen, I, I, Toronto did a good job putting pieces around. Marcus Gasol, definitely not the same player, but a very good player. Kyle Lowry, still very good player in the league. Um, you know when he actually decides to play, very good player. Danny Green. Not the best player anymore. He's really struggled this series. But, again, you put good pieces around a guy like that. Serge Ibaka, who's been a monster so far in this game. I I think that it's a little different. I I do. Um, I think that Toronto and Kawhi, I think Kawhi's a better player than Kyrie Irving. I think we see that now. Um, I think I was, you know, wrong to think that Kawhi would, you know, I was scared of Kawhi's injury and what he would want to do with a franchise. But here's the thing. If you're Toronto, you make the run, right? Let's say you make this run, you get to the finals. You lose to Golden State, which is probably what's ultimately going to happen. Either of these teams are going to lose to Golden State, in my opinion. I mean, I think, if, you know, maybe it goes five or six, whatever. Okay. Either, whichever one of these teams, Kawhi leaves, what happens then? Yeah, Toronto then starts unloading pieces. Well, now you have, you know, now you're building around Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry, and you're not going to big grab a big time free agent in Toronto, yeah. unfortunately. And, and you know, so again, we're kind of in the same spot almost. It's just it, it just feels like Toronto hit on a few guys that you didn't hit on, or maybe those guys didn't have the attitudes that you didn't hit on. And they didn't have the you know the injury bug that you had. I don't think the situations are all that dissimilar. I mean, look how deep Toronto is. You know, Boston's depth and talent is better than Toronto's, you know, depth-wise. But, you know, Boston just, they couldn't get everything on the same page. And Toronto seems like they they might have been able to do that. But, again, if Kawhi leaves, Elliot, what what becomes an Eastern Conference again? What superstars in the Eastern Conference? You have Giannis, who, you know, him and the Bucks are going to be good for a while. 
You go Kevin Durant in New York, probably. So those become your two favorites. I mean, really. You know, if Kyrie Irving goes to New York with Kevin Durant, Elliot, that I, I know everyone says, oh, James Dolan and oh, Kyrie Irving. That team's going to win a championship. I mean, I don't, I don't care what you think. They, James Dolan doesn't affect what they do on the court. You can cry and whine and bitch to me about how bad of an owner James Dolan is, and you're not wrong, but it doesn't change the fact that those guys are super talented. Kyrie Irving was get to be the lead dog in New York, and you know, it gets that Kevin Durant, the best player probably in the world, him or Giannis. I think Giannis is slightly better, but either way, make an argument for one. They're one A and one B, you know, right there next to him, and they have Kevin Knox, who I think is still a very good young player. I know he was statistically very poor this year, but I think he's a very good young player. Plus where you get the number three pick, which looks like, you know, it's going to be Barrett. And I mean, you just, you have an asset trove of just, just continuing assets. So I just, in my opinion, you know, it becomes a two team race and your best opinion of your, your best option of your Boston is to rebuild. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's wrap up on this. What is the Celtics plan B? If, uh, if Kyrie leaves, uh, if Kyrie leaves, I think I think that their plan B is still Anthony Davis. If they don't get Anthony Davis, I think Plan D, right now, not C, Plan D, right <laughs> now, is ultimately. <laughs> I think Plan D right now is to blow it up. I think you'll see. Horford maybe be traded if he opts in. I think it's possible you'll see Rozier be signed and traded, maybe Marcus Morris. Whatever you can do, you'll probably start moving assets for picks again, and you'll go back until Danny feels that you can do what you need to do. I don't think they'll trade Gordon Hayward. I think optically that would be very bad for the franchise who already gets a lot of shit for trading Isaiah Thomas. Optically, if you trade Gordon Hayward, that really doesn't look good. So I don't know if that will happen. It might, but I, I would be – I can tell you this. They're very hesitant about how the optics will look to not only the fans but to other players in the league. Um, and then I'll, I'll tell you this. Plan C is a player that we haven't talked about in this, and I think that that probably is going to be their main option. I, I, I'll tell you this. I, I'm not going to reveal the player. I've been asked not to multiple times despite everyone and their mother asking me to you know tell them who it is it's someone people have definitely mentioned before it's not someone people would expect and i don't think it's going to happen but i think that would be the way that they would turn Mm. does his name rhyme with fradley feel no no okay not rhyme with bradley beal (laughs) i actually think that bradley beal would be a significant downgrade hmm so you're not a Beal guy? I nope. <laughs> I am definitely not a Beal guy. Uh, listen, I think that Beal is underrated, but I think that again, I think that, I think Kyrie is a much better player than Beal is, and I think that adding Kyrie Battery Beal for you know Jalen Brown, what does that do? Huh. The three or four seed in the Eastern Conference again? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, you know, it just doesn't do much for me. I, I love how the players uh, leave the court and in the first person they uh they congratulate is Drake in Toronto. Yeah. You know, it's like he's like he's he's more important than the coach. 
No, I mean for for what for what Drake means to this team, obviously. So now, I mean, they're literally just shooting bombs now. I mean, they're <laughs> up by twenty three. So, so so Dan, do me a favor, man. Plug the podcast, man, because the over under podcast. I think you said it um, a few weeks ago that that you, the, the picks you you were making um, got you and Joey Murray's uh, followers up significantly, man. Go pl- plug plug the show, man. Plug the podcast and gloat a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. So we, uh, Joe and I do, uh, the over under nine, eight, five podcast. We've been fucking killing it. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Now, uh, I'll say this and I'll, you know, I, I thought the Celtics would beat the bucks. I just thought they had more talent. The bucks won out. And, um, I'm trying to remember what else. Oh, I thought Toronto would beat Philly in six. Some dude was giving me shit about that tonight. They won in seven. Uh, Philly was more impressive than I thought. But, I mean, really, without that, we've had the Warriors, we've had the Blazers, we had, you know, the Raptors. I have the Raptors again in this series versus Milwaukee. I think they're going to win this series ultimately, despite the fact that everyone loves Milwaukee so much. Um, we've been killing it. We crushed college basketball, absolutely crushed it. Crushed college football. Uh, you know, we did pretty well in the NFL. Uh, you know, definitely struggled down to the playoffs. But other than that, we, I mean, we, we crushed the NBA this year. We're doing right now very well in the MLB, 60%, I think, is what we're at right now. So we do very well. We're not trying to tout as professionals or anything, but we do very well. We give out a lot of plays. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, please rate and review it. That's all we ask. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to DM me. And if you have questions about Celtic stuff, I got to be honest, I probably can't answer it, but I'll be glad to see if I can if you want to send it over. But I just I, I can't promise you. So if you don't follow Dan Lifshatz, man, it's a it's criminal. You're committing a crime right now. Go follow Dan Lifshatz at Dan Lifshatz on Twitter. Uh, the the podcast is at uh, over under 985. Go follow Joey Murray to the other half of the bankroll boys at Joey Murr, uh, J-O-E-Y-M-U-R-R. And uh, damn, man, every time we, we every time we get together and we record a podcast, man, we knock it out the park, man. So uh, a lot of people been asking specifically for you on the EFB podcast. And every time you mention uh, the podcast, man, the, my mentions get flooded and people are anticipating it. I dropped a little nugget tonight that you retweeted and people are going nuts about it saying when's it going to drop, when's it going to drop, man, it's dropping soon, man. So, Dan, uh, thanks again for uh, for uh, you know for jumping on. Um, I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna talk again uh, in in probably uh, two months. You know, as uh, as June and July come around. You know, so um, for everybody that listens to this now, get ready because once free agents start signing, uh, me and Dan gonna get together in person. The last time I brought him a bottle of what was it, uh, Honey Jack? <laughs> Honey Jack. Good. I love that shit. Yeah, you, me, and Jimmy will get together. We'll do another podcast. We'll discuss some shit that comes up and. Uh, See what goes down. I think that would probably be the best way to uh, to do it. We'll talk about everything in the offseason. I think this offseason is going to be the craziest offseason in a while. You got Durant. You got Butler. You got Irving. You got you know some trade ships on the table. Uh, Tobias Harris. I mean, you have some legit names. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, yeah. I mean, you have names that are, that are moving this summer. So, I mean, it's going to be uh, – it's going to be a hell of a podcast to discuss. And again, uh, you know, I love doing the podcast with you, Elliot. I'm, I'll thank be I'm gone anytime, pal. Thank you. Thank you, man. So for Dan List Shats, it's your boy, Elliot from Boston. You can follow me at Elliot from Boston. You can listen to the EFE podcast everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, everywhere. For Dan List Shats, EFB, we're out. Shit is all he knows. 
same with the blow, that's how it go, love We stuck in it, and young niggas, we grew up in it But I ain't tryin' to get caught up in it Keep investing in the wrong business